We're very excited, really, brothers and sisters. We love you very much, and we're really excited to see the way the church has grown here in the Department of Sucre. We already have 1,300 believers, brothers and sisters. Congratulations. We're so excited, so happy. To see this church this way, we already have five locations here. That is beautiful, truly, to see the work of our Lord in this department. Let us stand. We are going to read in our Bibles, brothers and sisters. We're going to read in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. We are going to read Deuteronomy, verse number 1. Did you find it? Well, the word of our Lord reads, Now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may what? Observe them where? In the land which you are crossing over to possess. And we are in that spiritual land called what? The church. Amen, brothers and sisters. Verse 2. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised, a land flowing with milk and honey. And look, this is one of the great secrets to be able to triumph in the things of the Lord. You shall love whom? The Lord your God with all your one. With all your heart and with all your what? Your soul and with all your strength. That is the secret to love God above ourselves. Because when you love God, you obey the Lord. Glory to the Lord. You may continue. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Amen. Glory to our Lord. Today, where are these written? In a heart, glory to God. There's no need to write them on the walls, but rather they are in our hearts. Let us sing, lastly, to welcome our sister Maria Luisa, chorus number 70, which is titled, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that is how we must praise our God.
glory and honor to the God who lives. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is a God we honor. And for that, there is someone, a woman of God, who honors God every time she speaks, the way she prays and the way she preaches to us. And we prepare ourselves to receive who? No, no, no. I couldn't hear you. To receive who? Let us receive her the way she deserves it. May God bless you all. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. God bless you. And it is a pleasure to be here with you. It brings me much joy, much happiness to be here after my ungratefulness of so many years. 16 years. How ungrateful I have been. 16 years since I have not come to visit. I remember the church was very small. It was just in a small room, very few brothers and sisters, maybe a hundred people at that time, or maybe 60. But either way, I say ungrateful because I had not come before to come and visit. But in my heart, you are in my heart every day. Every day. Every day, I'm always reflecting and asking God for his church, for his congregation. I ask God for his work, and I ask God from Alaska all the way to Patagonia, all of the United States, all of Europe, all of Africa and Asia, where we have congregations or groups of people who are seeking the true living God. Now, I always place you in God's presence. The world is now small. The world is very small. And, well, it is not difficult for the Lord to look upon you all. And I'm always asking the Lord for his church. Reflecting and thinking. What will happen in a couple of years when the Lord raises up in each church Many prophets, apostles, teachers, preachers, evangelists. It will be beautiful and marvelous. The fulfillment of God's word when he says that his church will be spread all over the world. That is what the Lord said that his church would be in all of the world. And after it's finally in all the world, in all its fullness, in all its great power, well, then the end will come, the Lord has said. The Lord said this over 2,000 years ago. And he has given us a lot of opportunities. And we don't know how many more years he'll give us opportunities. But in the meantime, while we are getting to know this path, while we are here congregated, and covered by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of the Lord, who is guiding us, who is teaching us, who is instilling us to continue forward, I think that we, we will do the great work that God has entrusted upon each of us. And 
likewise, I also think in the end, with time, his word will be fulfilled, where finally all the world will be evangelized by the true gospel, meaning by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because gospel and Christianity, Christians, there are many all over the world. In all the world, there are many places who call themselves Christians, and many people say they are Christian and they read the Bible. But they do not enjoy the presence nor the guidance of the Spirit of God. And so, we who are experiencing this, this very amazing life in this pure gospel of the Lord, we are experiencing these very marvelous things from God's behalf. We ought to then continue and be attentive, for the Lord has a plan for each of us, and to each he has made promises. And each of us, we have the hope of receiving that promise at any given time and start to work it, put it to work, put that talent or that spiritual gift to work or that ministry God has given us, has given to each. And so I said that we, we have this great privilege because the Spirit of God is who is ruling over us, is teaching us and guiding us. Who is the one that is proceeding before us? And there are many people who call themselves Christians, but the Holy Spirit is not there manifesting himself. Therefore, the Bible then becomes literal. It becomes like another book of literature. And people, they also become preachers or evangelizers of a literal book. And... They speak and teach many things, but God does not manifest himself. This is why the Lord Jesus said that his true gospel ought to be preached in all the world. And now, today, we are getting to know the true gospel. Now, perhaps some of you in the past were in a place in a Christian denomination and you read the Bible. And you were able to tell that the Holy Spirit never manifested himself. And that now God has brought us together, gathered us. And I repeat, this is a great privilege. And God is showing us his power, his presence, his existence. And that the Spirit of God truly is who is with us. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ said in John. when. When the Lord spoke to his disciples and said to them he would not leave them orphans, the Lord said, I am leaving, but I will not leave you orphans. I am going to send the Holy Spirit, the Helper, and he will be with you forever. He will guide you. He will teach you. He will tell you all the things you need to do. And he will be with you forever. He did not say he would just be around for a thousand years or two thousand years, but he said forever. And this forever, it ends in this world, on this planet Earth, the day that our Lord Jesus Christ comes in the clouds for his church. 
The Bible says that the day that the Lord comes in the clouds for his church, that those that are living, they will be transformed into glorious bodies and will ascend into the heavens to receive the Lord. And those who have passed and died, well, they will resurrect also with glorious bodies and will ascend into the clouds to receive the Lord. There, on that day, the Holy Spirit will ascend with the church. And, well, then truly, at that point, the Holy Spirit will no longer be here on this planet Earth. For once the Lord gathers His church in the clouds, the Holy Spirit will not remain on Earth to do work with the people who remain. Because those who remain are those who never wanted to accept the Lord, nor believe in Him, nor do God's will. So the Lord will surely allow them to live, well, we don't know how many years without God. And so we, we have a great responsibility. The responsibility to announce and to speak to people and to testify to people that God is a living being and that the Spirit of God manifests himself. And so therefore the Bible will not be read as a piece of literature, but God is bringing it to life in our lives and that it is so important. Reading the Bible is important and learning the doctrine and the teachings God gives us through the Holy Spirit and his marvelous spiritual gifts because he is the one who teaches us the doctrine and reveals it to us. And also, we enjoy along the way, and this we must testify to people, that we are also enjoying the miracles, the signs that God performs in our lives, the healings, and that God speaks to us and guides us through the gift of prophecy. All of these things, they are what we need to talk about and testify and speak to people about so that people may know that a living God exists. And what else can we say to people? Well, God protects us. And God will always bless and lend a hand to his children, those who love him truly, those who follow him. You may have a seat, brothers and sisters, but so what does it mean to love God? Love God is not saying, yes, I believe in God. I believe in God. And when we have a moment of difficulty in our life, then we say, oh, Lord, protect me. Lord, deliver me. Lord, please hear me. Please help me. And that is enough. That is loving God. No, no, that is not loving God. When God tells us that we need to love him with our heart, with our soul, with all of our being, and that God comes first before anything else, God comes before me, God comes before others, that means that loving God is doing his will, pleasing him. Loving God is turning away from sin. Turning away from everything that is called sin. Of all of that, we must turn away from. Turning away from lies, hatred, revenge, grudges, pride. Turning away from gossip. Turning away from complaining and witchcraft and sorcery because 
There are people who even to this day are still trusting in these things and thinking about harming others. And so they begin to practice witchcraft, sorcery, or they go to witches or sorcerers to have witchcraft, sorcery cast against others because, well, they don't like them or they're envious or they have hatred or whatever else it might be. All of that is sin. And of all all those who lie, who who blackmail, who give bribes, who con, who deceive a person, All of that is called sin, hypocrisy, hatred, envy, covetousness, greed. All of that is sin. All of that is sin. Being hypocrites with people, pretending with people, pretending to have friendship and affection, but... In reality, I am a hypocrite and I wish bad things upon them or I accuse them so that they are fired from work or or kicked out of school. All of that is sin. All of that we call sin. And this is what God wants us not to do. Because it is said that when we do not take part in any of those things, then we are loving God. We love the Lord with all of our heart. So we can say, I love my Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my being. I love him. Therefore, I am reading the Bible and I am learning. I am learning what I ought to leave behind in order to please my Lord. I am studying the Bible because I need to learn what it is I need to leave behind and what it is I need to do because I need to please my Lord. Because people, they don't see me. No one sees me. No one knows me. But God does. So God will reward me because I want to be a good son or a good daughter of God. And he sees me. He knows me. And he will reward me. He will write me down in the book of life. And he will grade me. And he will give me many points. This is what my God does. And so this is why I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to make an effort to get to know God and to please him. And if people criticize me, or if people make fun of me, or if the world mocks me, and they say, why am I not enjoying life rather than spending my time on other things that no one is ever going to pay me back for? Well, that's not important. I'm not going to care about those things. I'm not going to care about what people will say. I'm not going to care about what those in the congregation say or those in the world. That won't worry me because I'm following a path. Each of us, we follow a path. And each of us, we have a responsibility. And God is the one who sees us and rewards us. This I have seen, brothers and sisters, It's now been 50 years I have seen and I have gotten to know the hand of God and I have seen how God blesses openly. When a person lives a life that is discreet, that no one knows about, that no one knows how my thoughts are, what I'm doing or what I'm not doing, but my life, I keep it for God and no one sees me, no one hears me. Maybe no one even knows me, but God does, and he has rewarded me greatly. 
He has rewarded my faithfulness, and he has rewarded the fact that I have understood, I have comprehended what his plan is, and what it is I need to not do, and what it is I should do in order to please him. And no one has realized it, but the reward God has given it. And when he gives a reward, he gives it publicly. And when he rewards a person, a man or woman who loves and seeks the Lord and wants to please him, he rewards them publicly and everyone sees it and they say, why has God blessed you? Why? Who, who are you? Are you spoiled by God? Are you spoiled by him? Why has God blessed you? God hears your prayers. He doesn't hear me. Why has God protected you? God has not protected me many times. I have been in danger many times. I have fallen into those dangerous situations. I've cried out to the Lord and he has not heard me. What do you do so that God hears you? What needs to be done? We need to love God with all of our what? Heart and soul. But what does it mean to love God? To turn away from. And so the reward will be publicly. In public, everything that we do in secret, we do so that no one sees or, or realizes it because we should never act or proceed so that others look at us or applaud us. What we do is so that God looks at us and that he be the one that gives us the reward, that he will be the one to take ear to our pleas and our cries. This is what we need to do, brothers and sisters, that we may discover the Lord as well, that we may discover his marvelous work, the mysteries of the Lord, that we may learn to know God, to know the Lord. Let us fight for that. So I want, I want to know God, how he acts. And in this way, well, then I know. I know how to touch the heart of the Lord and soften it because I am getting to know him. Because I am loving him and I am showing him with my life, with my good example, with my good testimony, with my good conduct. I am showing him I love him. And so then he is giving me what he has promised. He gives it to me and he hears my prayers. How beautiful this is, brothers and sisters, how beautiful it is when God hears our prayer. This is what we ought to fight for and make an effort for. Let us make an effort and let us love God. And let us be faithful to the Lord. Never, never get tired in following God's path. There will be moments in life that will be difficult because we have a great enemy. And this enemy will always try and place obstacles in your life, traps, difficulties, hardships. He will place so that you do not continue in this path, but you ought to continue in this path. For if while we are here, here in the presence of God, and we are here and the Holy Spirit is helping us every day of our life, he teaches us, he protects us, he comforts us. He guides us. And with all of this, if maybe sometimes we feel in life like giving up because we say, I cannot bear this test any longer or this sickness or this pain 
or this tribulation I cannot tolerate or bear. Well, with greater reason, if we live in the world, there we are alone. We are unprotected without any type of comfort from anyone, without anyone's support, without the help of anyone there out in the world. Well, then we truly would go crazy. Then truly tribulation would destroy us in that difficult problem. So it is better to walk in the ways of the Lord. And there are people who, when they have tribulation and they are in the church, they have tribulation, they say, well, I'm going back into the world because I cannot bear this. I cannot withstand this. And they go back to the world because they think that out in the world, the problem will be resolved. But rather, the problem gets worse. It is worse. If we are with God and this enemy comes and tries to destabilize our spiritual life, well, with greater reason, imagine us being in the world without God. Well, then truly we are exposed to all types of evils. And so let us be very wise, brothers and sisters. Let us be very intelligent and never think in turning back, in relapsing. Continue fighting. Continue in the fight. Make an effort. Continue reading the Bible. Continue going to church and congregating. Ask for laying on of hands and ask God to hear your prayer and that he have mercy. But you continue on in this path until the very last day of your life. This is what we need to do. Today, we are going to be reflecting on Psalm 62. Now, we, for some time now, we have been reading Psalms because Psalms, they are prayers. They are spiritual songs that are expressed to God in prayer or even with melody and music. But we also find in Psalms that they are the experiences of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also find in Psalms that our Lord Jesus Christ is the spokesman of his church. He is the spokesman of his people to present them before the Heavenly Father. And in Psalms, we find spiritual riches. We find marvelous promises, and we also find God's power. When God uses his power to help us and bless us, glory to the Lord, we find marvelous promises, and we also find words that we may use to praise God, to worship him, to honor and extol him with very beautiful words. And we find them here in Psalms. So, in a psalm, we find many topics. In a psalm, there are many experiences and different moments. This is why we must analyze each verse from the psalm and reflect and think, what is this about? Who is this referring to? In what moment? What time was the Lord speaking for? But whatever it may be, it is all to honor our God. And we are enriched because we learn. We learn how to pray. We learn how to praise the Lord. We learn how to sing to the Lord. 
And we also learn to analyze and to reflect. And we nourish ourselves from those very beautiful promises that are in Psalms. Now in Psalm 62, it reads, Truly, my soul silently waits. So my soul is trusting in God. What a very beautiful phrase. It says here, from him comes, from him comes my salvation. Glory to our God. Now, if we reflect on this very beautiful verse in God, so our soul only trusts in God. And from him, from God comes our salvation. Glory to the Lord. It reads, he only is my rock. Who? Our God. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is what? He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved, it says. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Now, presumably, this here is our Lord Jesus Christ speaking in the mouth of David. David is prophesying, singing, and perhaps even playing the harp. Singing and inspired, taken up by the Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus Christ speaking for his church when he says that he is, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved, implying that the people have fallen and failed God. And if we know the people of Israel failed God, but among the people of Israel, God chose for himself a remnant. God elected a remnant so that through this remnant, Jesus Christ could come. And through Christ then comes the church of the Lord. Glory to our God. This is why it says, I shall not be greatly moved as if this remnant was saying, God is my defense. I will not be greatly moved because I have a helper. And this helper is Jesus Christ. In verse 3, it reads, How long will you attack a man? The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to his enemy, his enemies who were raised up in that time when he was on earth as a man, and he was persecuted. They persecuted the Lord to harm him. But the Lord in his prayer here in Psalms, the Psalms have been written or were written many years before the actual occurrences that our Lord Jesus Christ lived. But as he knew everything that would happen in the future, he says, how long will you attack a man? When the Lord spoke to the Pharisees, and he said to them, Hypocrites, generation of vipers, who do you persecute? Who are you persecuting? They were persecuting the Lord of glory. So he tells them, How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. So it says that in that time, those enemies of God, they would consult to try and remove him from their presence because they could not resist. When the Lord performed the miracles and signs and taught them the doctrine, 
And to all of them, he would reveal their secret sins. They could not resist or withstand his presence, nor the miracles and what he did. And this is why they wanted to destroy him. This is why they sought to take his life. And this is the most astonishing part, that the Psalms had been written so many years before God had revealed all of these things that would happen. This is why when our Lord Jesus was on earth and he behaved and lived as a human being, he would consult the scriptures and would say, Today, all of this is being fulfilled that was written about me. In the prophets, he always said this to his apostles. And as you can see, we are reading about it here in Psalms. We are witnesses that the Lord was right in that time when he would say to them, Today, everything that is written about me is being fulfilled today, and thanks be to the Lord. And it also says in verse 4, They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Yes, because in that time, those who persecuted the Lord, who thought to be great wise men, who thought to be the principalities, who taught the the law of Moses, who knew all of the doctrine, And they would criticize the Lord every step that he took. They believed that they knew a lot. They thought that on the Sabbath, when they taught the law, or when they interpreted the law, that they were greatly wise. But the Lord always cast down all of their actions because they were hypocrites with God. They were people who were sinning and they were offending God. This is why our Lord Jesus as well He was very stern with them and treated them harshly. And it says here that they would bless with their mouth. And the Lord criticized them because they loved greeting people in the corners and they loved for people to honor them and give them homage. And they would begin to pray and they would express a series of words that did not come from their heart, but it was because they memorized them and it was all vain repetition. The Lord criticized all of these things that the enemies did in that time. And it was all already prophesied. This is the marvelous part, that it was all prophesied here in Psalms. Now let us continue in verse number five, where it says, or you can read if you would like to help me. When it says, my soul... Wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. And it repeats, I shall not be moved. This here is the remnant speaking, or the believers in Christ, because out of the remnant then came Jesus Christ, and from Jesus Christ then we all came. And so he is here now as a spokesman. He is a spokesman for us in saying that we are with him and we will not be moved because he will help us. He will lift us up to continue forward and be steadfast in God's presence and to walk steadfastly in every step we take. Glory to the Lord. God will help us. Verse seven in God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Please read verse 8. And so we must wait 
in him at all times. You must trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. It says trust in him at all times. You people. So in good times and in bad times, in times of joy and in times of tribulation, of pain and sadness, of misery or of abundance, in times of glory, at all times in life, we must wait in God. We must be with him at all times. Glory to the Lord. And it reads, this is why it says, trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Glory to the Lord. If God is the refuge of all peoples, of all nations, I think that there would not be so much suffering or tribulation. I think there would not be so much sadness or bitterness or loneliness or shortage or sicknesses. There would be no wars because then everyone would always be living to please God and doing good things. And it would be great happiness. That is what God wanted when he created man. He wanted to form humanity and he wanted to form a nation, a people to praise him and that these people would live happily and trusting in God's word, that these people would be happy by God's hand. That is what the Lord wanted. That was his plan. But that enemy, he opposed himself and people, mankind, they followed the way of the enemy. It was this enemy was stronger than that love for God. So this is why the enemy has won over many people. But we here, the church of God, we are few. But great because we have God. And God will help us. God is going to strengthen us and is going to give us that wisdom, that understanding to know and to discern and to be able to distinguish and to be able to choose our life in our way and to know what it is we are doing. Because it is very important that all of us, we do things right for God. And also for those around us. Because along the way, the good that we do, well, the people that are around us also benefit from it. They also receive that benefit. And so how beautiful that is when we, we understand and comprehend God's plan and we make the decision and we are steadfast and secure and have conviction. May God help us all to achieve all of these marvels. And in verse number nine, you may read brothers and sisters. Now here, our God compares his strength and his power to, the, to that of human beings. So the Lord says, surely men of low degree are a vapor. Now here, this meaning of low degree and that they are a vapor, it means that they have an end. Human beings, we know they, they are born and they grow and they multiply and then they die. That is vanity, that it's not eternal. That the day of death comes and then they become dust. That physical body in which that human being dwelled in becomes dust. That's what this refers to. And it says, 
Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Yes, because they have an end. And it says men of high degree are a lie. That is the same thing. That it says if they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. For on the contrary, what would then be the most important thing? Now, we know men of high degree are a lie and they are a vapor because they end in nothing. They come to an end. They are corrupted. They become dust. But if these men and women, if the children of men were in the presence of God, doing God's will, turned away from sin, well, then God would not say these things about them. On the contrary, he would say they are blessed because they were walking down God's path. And those who walk down God's path will be victorious, will be triumphant, and will dwell in the heights. Because this is the promise and the blessing God has for the obedient children who submit themselves to God's will. But so God observed mankind and saw that no one remembered the Lord, that no one wanted to do God's will, but rather each devoted themselves to their own pleasures. And this is why the Lord was so angered and said, they are all vanity. I'm going to weigh them on the scales and they're going to weigh nothing. But the Lord also had a plan. He said, I'm also going to raise up a people. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will achieve it. The Lord Jesus Christ said to the Father, I will achieve it. I will raise up a church. I will raise up a people who will praise you, who will honor you, who will bless you. They will love you. I will help them. Glory to my Lord. This is the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is going to help us to praise our God, to glorify God, and to serve him with all of our heart. This is a promise from Jesus Christ. And this was the covenant he made with the Father, and he committed himself to it. This is why we have the Lord today in our being here, gathered together with the Holy Spirit of God. He is here with us and within us with us to help us overcome and we are able then to attain grace before our father in order to be worthy of salvation of those blessings of the joy and peace and now the lord we hope that to his children, he will not say that we are vanity, but that he may say they are useful children, useful to my glory. We hope the Lord says this now very well. Let us continue in verse 10. It reads, do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. So in other words, do not be proud or arrogant. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them, meaning do not be materialistic either. For this is being materialistic, someone who trusts in wars, in violence, oppression, someone who tries to do everything by force. That is materialism. In robbery, for example, in that shortage, in those lies and fraud, 
that in order to attain money, well, then you have to confuse people with all things in order to obtain what you want in life, in order to obtain profit and satisfaction. All of this, we can say, is materialism. Now, again, nor vainly hope, meaning that that arrogance and pride, covetousness and greed, all of that is that vanity that human beings have. And this, we can also say, is materialism. So do not set your heart on them. Verse 11, God has spoken once, twice, I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Power belongs to God and not of the material things in life or riches, nor human power. It does not belong to them to give satisfaction and happiness to people. No, only God with his power. He is the only one that can do many things in human beings' lives. Verse 12, please read. You, you render to each one according to his work. May God protect us. And may our works, how should they be? So that God may pay us back. He may pay each of us according to our works. Because if we have bad works, that means we are sinning. For those that commit sin, any sin it might be, they are doing bad works. And so God, rather than reward the person, what God does is punish them. And he turns away from the person and he forsakes them in the world, allows them to suffer. That is what the Lord does. But we... By mercy, by God's mercy that he has had with us, he has gathered us here together as a flock, as sheep, and the Lord is tending to us. He is teaching us, and he wants us to be happy. He wants us to perform good works because he wants to bless everyone, and so let us make an effort. We must make an effort. And we must love the Lord. And loving the Lord is doing good works and turning away from what? From sin, yes. I remember sometimes there were people who didn't like a certain preacher. They said, I don't like that preacher because in the sermon, he's only ever talking about sin. But brothers and sisters, if you analyze, if you reflect if you observe out in the world, you see all the people, you see everyone, and they are sinning. In one way or another, they are sinning. Sometimes they even sin just by their stares or by stubborn words or maybe even jokes. Jokes with a double meaning. So even with those things, we see people take part in that. We see people yell at each other, people stealing from each other, people taking others' money. They steal their watch. We see that out in the world. We're always seeing people sinning, right? We're constantly seeing this. And if we are close to our family or our neighbors, we also see so many things that they do that are very displeasing. And we say, 
look at everything that is going on. And I'm still maybe taking part in some of that, but I'm trying to turn away from that to please God because it is very displeasing to see all of these things that people are doing because I don't like to be harmed. And I see that people harm each other. And if I go out on the street, well, then I'm worried to think about when someone is going to assault me, a thief or someone who maybe is not fully there, not sane and are full of spirits. And maybe they want to take my life without having a reason. Sometimes we think these things when we are out in the world, outside, when we are reflecting on what could happen to us, maybe something unpleasant. And we see people, and we see sin. But all of that, may that be, or may that serve as a reflection or example so that we are careful and we say, I don't want to be like them. I want to turn away from that. I want to change. Now that I'm in church, I'm going to take full advantage and learn about God and learn to follow him righteously because I know that blessings come from my God. From my God comes all rewards and that nothing good can I ever get from the world. Let us reflect on that, brothers and sisters, and let us express to the Lord. Let us ask that he give us intelligence, understanding so that we may comprehend his ways and his word. In your prayers, ask the Lord for that understanding and say, Lord, Give me understanding because I want to do what is right. I want to be righteous. I want to be upright before you. And those words should exist and those desires, they should exist in our heart every time that we come before the Lord in prayer or in worship May my God bless you all. May he protect you, keep you safe. May he heal you. May he deliver you. May he cleanse you. May he give you a beautiful heart for our God. And may my God always extend his hand and may his eyes always be upon you at all times in your life. And as we are also filming because people in other countries are going to watch us, well, this is for them as well. The blessing goes to them as well. God's blessing. It is for all. This reflection is for all. And this advice, because this is what the Lord wants, that we help each other. Thanks be to our God. I give thanks to my Lord and the honor and the glory is for him forevermore. And now we have the actually let us sing a chorus. I will serve you, O my Lord. Let us sing to the Lord. I will serve you, O my Lord. Chorus number 129, I will serve you, O my Lord. And we're going to sing to the Lord with all of our heart. And we're going to commit ourselves to God. Yes, brothers and sisters.
Blessed Lord, mighty God. Thanks be to the Lord. You may be seated, brothers and sisters. And now we go with the questions this afternoon, this evening. It is an honor for me to be here before the servant of the Lord. We were waiting for you for 16 years, sister. Thank you very much, sister. Thank you for being here. We are very happy and we cannot... Let this opportunity go by without congratulating our brother Cesar Moreno, our sister Angela Oviedo, for the success they've had. And of course, you, sister, knowing that your thesis uh, called Discovering a Skill and Opportunity will be in two universities. The glory is for the Lord. Glory to God. Sister Mary Luisa, we may feel very proud to have you all as our kings, queens, prince, and princesses. I would like, sister, to ask two questions, if you allow me to. The first question is in Ezekiel 18, verse 24. Ezekiel 18, verse 24. Yes, brother, you may read. But... When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. Because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed, because of him he shall die. Also, sister, I would like to read in Hebrews... Chapter number 6, verse number 10. Yes, brother. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name. My question is, sister, the first verse states that the righteous man who turns away from his righteousness, none of the righteousness he, will, he did will be remembered, but in Hebrews it states that God is not unjust and that he does not forget the labor of love, which it was done for him. Could you yes. explain that to me, please? Well, brother, it's not the same. In Ezekiel 18, it is not discussing the same topic, which is then spoken of in Hebrews 6. In Ezekiel 18, there is a general prophecy for all human beings who sin and fail God. In Hebrews 6, 
This is now speaking of a group of brothers and sisters who did things right, who walked uprightly. It was a group of believers, and the apostle was saying to them that because they were doing things right, God was going to reward them. He was going to bless them because he was not unrighteous, but he was observing their good, righteous deeds and would bless them. But nevertheless, let's read once again in Ezekiel 18, where you read in verse 24, I believe. It is speaking in general terms, saying, If a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, meaning a person after having known the path of God, after enjoying the spiritual blessings and the spiritual gifts and having lived a somewhat upright life with God and having the gift of prophecy and the spiritual gifts, God speaks to them. If this righteous person turns away from God's path, meaning they turn back, as we say, they turn back to the world once again to sin. Well, then it says the Lord will no longer observe the righteous things they did before. But now what he observes is their latest actions. That is what God sees from this person. So if a righteous man or woman turns away from their righteousness and goes back and commits evil and sins and they do according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? Meaning, shall he have eternal life? No, they will not have eternal life. It says all the righteousness All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness, because they rebelled again against the Lord, because they went back and committed sin. This is why they will lose eternal life. So this person, after having been with the Lord and enjoy many things, and then they turn back and sin and death surprises them. Well, they are now condemned. Because God will no longer remember the first righteous deeds, but will only keep in mind the latest things that they've done. And they died. They died in that sinful state. And so they lose eternal life. And that is the prophecy that is spoken here in Ezekiel for all people. This could happen to any person today. And so this is why we continue to insist that we be steadfast until the very end of our lives, that we should not turn back. Be very careful. Because if with the Lord, maybe perhaps we have sad days, days of pain and tribulation, well, out in the world, the suffering is worse. In the world, we will suffer worse. So it is better to be in God's path until the day of our death. And let us seek the Lord so that this way we can attain eternal life. Now in Hebrews 6... It is now then, it's of the apostles speaking to a group of people who had converted to the gospel, a group of Hebrews that were Jews and converted to the gospel. They were doing things right. And so in chapter six, the apostle tells them, be very careful because God, he has cleansed you. He has saved you. It is now time for you to continue forward and to receive what is perfect and spiritual. Do not fall back into sin. Do not relapse into sin. Now in verse 6, I'll read to you. And if you are already located in Hebrews 6, we're reading in verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened 
and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, meaning they had the gift of prophecy. They had the spiritual gifts. God spoke to them, made them promises. They were in the path of God. Verse six, if they fall away, meaning they turn back. Now, it is impossible for these people to once again be renewed again to repentance that our Lord would need to be crucified again for them. But no, our Lord will not sacrifice himself again for these people for they turned back. And so for them, there is no other escape. God then comes in and punishes. And this is why here in verse seven, there is a metaphor for the earth, which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if this earth, which constantly receives the rain, but rather than give good herbs and that is useful, but rather it then bears thorns and briars, well, then this earth is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. So that could happen to people that while they are in church, after enjoying the marvelous spiritual gifts in God's word of having lived a good life with God, then they fall back. They relapse into sin. And the Lord then says he punishes these people. He punishes them. Now, he won't necessarily take away salvation, but it will be a punishment. But as for you, it says he used the earth as a comparison. Now, if you water the earth every day and rather than give useful herbs, rather it gives thorns and briars, well, then you burn it and you reject it. It is, it is of no use. But he says, but beloved, he tells the group of people, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. It says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, saying, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. So here the apostle is emphasizing to people that they must be very careful that after having been in God's path, they must be very careful for God will place his hand and punish for God punishes for if God has a plan with these people, he punishes them sternly to force them to return to the path of the Lord. For it says that he is not unjust, but the Lord seems to keep these people in mind, these people who had made so much of an effort and did a lot of things and they wanted to follow the Lord, but they had a weak moment in their life. And so they returned back to their old way of life. And as the Lord had had a plan, had made promises, 
The Lord, it says he punishes them and then brings them back. That could happen. He once again brings them back to his feet when there is a, a plan or promise in the middle. But it is also probable that what happened and what he said in Ezekiel could also take place. That this person, after having done things right and they fall back into sin and they begin to live in their sin and they die in their sin, well, then there is nothing left to do for this person. So we find there two things. One in which a person has died in their sin once again after having been righteous, but then they became unrighteous. They once again became a sinner and they died in their sin. There is nothing to be done. They have lost their salvation. But we also then have a group of people who the Lord says that he saw the works of these people, that they did fall back into sin, but the Lord, he punishes and he brings them back because of the promises that they had. So we see how God acts, how he proceeds with people as he wishes. But we, let us not be too confident with this. Let's not be confident, brothers and sisters, because if we are too confident and we say, oh, well, then I can go back to the world. I can sin. I can do all of that. And then God will punish me and bring me back. No, brothers and sisters, let's not be confident in that. Because if we stubbornly are thinking in this way, very stubborn way of thinking and stubbornly acting, well, then we will perish in our stubbornness. No, let us be wise. Let us have understanding and let us always be faithful to our God. Now let us go with another question. The brother said he had two questions. Um, the second question is in Numbers chapter 11 verse 18. Yes, brother. Numbers eleven eighteen. You may read, brother. Then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you shall eat meat for have, you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have despised the Lord who is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come up out of Egypt? 33, sister. But while the meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. My question, Sister Mary Luisa, is the people of Israel longed for that previous time when they were in Egypt. The Lord grew mad with the people. He filled them with meat to such extent that they despised it, and then he punished them by sending a plague. Sometimes we are discontent. We are sorrowful all the time, longing for other things. Please teach us, sister, about the way we should think not to commit these mistakes. Thank you. Well, maybe perhaps today we won't commit the same mistakes that the people of Israel committed in that time, in the time of Moses, when they were all together in the wilderness, and they lamented. They looked back on the good life that they lived in Egypt, but that was in regards to food, because in Egypt, 
They were slaves. They made them work many hours a day, very strenuous work, and they would feed them, but they were slaves. But they were so unfaithful to God and so ungrateful to God when God brings them out of Egypt, out of the slavery, and leads them by Moses to the wilderness, and they forgot that God had freed them. God had brought them into freedom. And in their stubbornness, they did not think about the work and the slavery that they had lived in because they would treat them bad. They would whip them and they had to work very hard in those physical jobs. They forgot about that and they only remembered the food and the delicacies they ate in Egypt. But they forgot about all of the other suffering. We today... We should not think that if our past life was better or worse, that if maybe in our past life we enjoyed ourselves or we didn't, there are people that I've heard and they say, oh, well, when I lived out in the world, I lived better. Now that I'm in the church, I have been ruined. I am ruined. God has taken everything from me because there are people who come to church and they say that God has taken everything from them and now they're ruined. And when they lived out in the world, they were better off. I see that it is similar to what had happened to the Israelites when they were in the, in the wilderness. They thought it was better to live in Egypt with the delicious food that they ate. And here in the wilderness, what are we eating? Nothing. We have nothing to eat. But they forgot the other things. And that happens today as well. That happens to many people. And when they say, oh, well, out in the world, they lived better than they do now. Why should they think? Or maybe they forget that they lived better off in the world because maybe they had their business and things were going well because perhaps they were very dishonest in their work and in their business. And this is why things were very well, because they were stealing from others. But they forgot that they lived sad and unhappy because they had problems and they were sick. And they had no one to help them resolve their problems, their difficulties, the illness. There was no peace in that person. There was no happiness. There was bitterness. There was persecution. So they forgot that they came to church and God began to give them peace and joy, happiness, optimism. That God began to make them promises that they will live happily and joyful. And that the material things, they are not man's all. So this person forgot that. And this is why they say, well, when I lived in the world, I lived better than I do now in the church. That happens. And that happened to the Israelites. Stubbornness. That is stubbornness. And that is the self-will of a person. And so God becomes anchored with a person that is this way, a person that is stubborn, someone that is ungrateful, rather than saying, thank you, Lord. In the world, I had riches. I had my business. But as it turns out, I had so many problems. I was so unhappy. I had no peace. And I also wasn't healthy, but now I'm healthy. I have peace and joy. I have no money, but I have other things that are far better. Thank you, Lord. Money, maybe one day you will give it to me. But for now, I am happy just as I am. This is what we should do. And this is what God wants us. That's how he wants us to be. Because this is what we see. We see the bad examples of other people. Let us not imitate that, but let us turn away from that. Let us 
value our God and let us cherish the fact that God never makes us promises that he's going to make us millionaires. He doesn't make us that kind of promise because God doesn't care about the material things in life. God wants us to be rich, but spiritually rich, and that in this next life, we will be with God and join in eternity. That is what God offers us. And everything else, well, we must fight for, work hard for, and everything God has given us, our own capabilities to work, and in order for us to be able to support our physical material life. And of course, yes, with God's help as well, it allows us to have doors open to us so that we are never without a job. We are never without anything. We have everything we need because we will never ask God for so much abundance that we would never really enjoy, but everything that's necessary and we will never lack anything. But of course, this, what we always say, the most beautiful thing is that peace that we have with God. That's the most important thing. And so we learn from that, brothers and sisters, from those stories, from these people in the Bible and of all of their experiences. We learn from that and we then pick the best path. Yes, let's continue. Good afternoon, Sister Mary Louisa. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord continue blessing you and backing you, and we love you very much. May the Lord bless you. Glory be to the Lord. Sister, I have two questions, if you will allow me. The first is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Galatians 5. Yes, ma'am. You may read, sister. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Sister, God gave us a spirit, and that spirit flesh. The Bible also says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. The Apostle said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So the evil spirits entice the flesh to fornicate, to envy, to hate, to lie, to be malicious. But when the person dies, a body is left that does not feel or think. Sister, my question is, how can I understand that link that is between the flesh and spirit? Is our spirit the one that fails God, or is it our flesh? Very good. Well, we have some enemies that make us fail God, and they are the devil, and our physical body, our flesh, they, or it is one of our enemies. Because our physical body is the one that is enticed and has cravings for things. Not the spirit of the person, but the flesh. So the flesh then make or tries to dominate the spirit and make it bow down. But when a person has fear of God and that love for God, well, they control the flesh. They say, no, I, I need to please God. I won't do what I'm feeling. I have the desire to do this. I want to do this or that. Or I have the longing to do this or that, but I won't do it because that displeases the Lord. I won't do it. So we need to have 
control over our flesh that is our enemy. It is that weaker part that feels the pleasure. We also have the devil as our enemy and the evil spirits he sends to harm us. And then we can also say the pleasures of the world. The pleasures of the world and sin, all of that, they are things that incite our flesh. And so by looking at others, we want to do what they do and their bad actions. And that person then gets a craving to do the same. And they say, well, I wonder what it feels like to do that. And so that is what we then call the temptations and the traps And in the Bible, it says, tempted, but do not sin. And when you're tempted, that's when the temptation is there and your flesh says, yes, I want to do that. It seems so nice. And look, it looks so good to do. Why don't you do it? But do not sin. It is better to please God. It is better to please the Lord. So when you love God, we are made up by a soul, a spirit, a conscience that God has given us. So we are what we call soul, spirit, and conscience. And that is what goes before the presence of God one day. So we are dwelling in a physical body, in something that is made of matter. But this this physical body wants to rule over us. But when we have fear of God and we love the Lord so much, we love the Lord, then we begin to control ourselves. We rule over ourselves. We have that self-control. So we no longer let ourselves be moved by our flesh and the pleasures and the things that we hear and see because I want to please God. So I hold back. This is when we say, I sacrifice myself. I am sacrificing my flesh because I need to please God. So a person who likes to fornicate, They will say, well, I will not fornicate any longer because I want to please God. I'm going to sacrifice my flesh to fornication because I want to please the Lord. So this is why it is said that we are a living sacrifice for God. We then sacrifice all of those pleasures, all of those things of everything we call sin, because all of that produces pleasure. Everything that is called sin produces pleasure to our flesh. So we sacrifice our flesh and we say no in order to please God. So this is when God comes in and rewards us. He helps us. He strengthens us so that we are able to please him. But the sister read in Galatians 5. Now that has nothing to do truly um, with the question. Because the sister is reading here in Galatians 5 verse 16, which says, I say then walk in the spirit, which means to walk in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And yes, what is the lust of the flesh? Well, it is to live in sin. It is to commit fornication, adultery, to lie, to deceive, and do many other things. So the lust of the flesh is against the spirit, the spirit of God. And the spirit of God is against the flesh. And these are contrary, it says. They are contrary, meaning the spirit of God helps us to control ourselves. As he 
is against the desires and the lusts of our flesh, well, then we pray to God. We ask him to change and to be transformed. So the spirit of God, it says that he helps us so that our flesh does not then exercise its control over us and then leads us to constantly sin. This is what that is saying. It's, it's concerning the matter of sin and our flesh. But like I said to you, brothers and sisters, prayer, prayer and asking the Lord to help me, help me, Lord. There are men and women who suffer and the devil has tempted them to commit all sorts of sin and evil and murders and assaults, thefts and rape. What you need to do is reflect. You teach a person, reflect, because you are not a normal sane person. There is an evil spirit that is inciting you to do those things. You are the one that will suffer in the end because you will then be imprisoned. Or maybe someone out of revenge will take your life because you've done those things. So you are suffering. Those spirits, the demons, the devil, they don't suffer. They're happy watching human beings suffer because they are slaves. Slaves to these instincts caused by these evil spirits. And so you teach people, seek the Lord. Go to church. Go to the church for God speaks there. God delivers. Because aside from the fact that the Lord speaks to us in church, when a person comes to the church and they receive laying on of hands, God does not only just speak to them. In that moment that the Lord is speaking in prophecy, the Lord is also delivering them. God is changing them, transforming them, and taking away many evil tendencies that are unpleasant. God does everything. He performs the miracle fully. The fact is not just that he speaks, but it's the change of life that he gives to a person in that moment when God is speaking to them in prophecy. So that is what the Lord does. This is why we invite people, our neighbors, our friends, people that you know, and you see people suffering because of those evil spirits that lead them to sin. So you tell them, go to church God makes us happy. Go, I invite you. This is the address. This is the, the schedule. And you will see, you will have a different life, a new life. And well, that is another way to evangelize. And one last question. One last question. Yes, brother. Good afternoon, sister. God bless you greatly, sister. All the brothers and sisters from Colossal Sucre welcome you. We love you with all our heart. And we look forward to all your teachings in Corazal and all the Bible studies. We send greetings from all of them. If you allow me to, sister, I have two questions from the Bible. Yes, brother. My question is in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 12 through 17. My first question is, what members is the apostle referring to in verse number okay, 23. Well, the entire chapter, the apostle is referring to the spiritual gifts. He is saying that God in his church gave spiritual gifts and there are many spiritual gifts. There's the gift of prophecy, gift of miracles, gift of speaking tongues, gift of laying on of hands, right? And all of those spiritual gifts, there's also the gift of miracles and casting out demons and so in the church, he gives all of the spiritual gifts to the believers. And the body of Christ is the church. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head and the body, the Lord says, is all of us. 
And so a body, any body, will has many members, meaning this body has fingers, has hands, arms, legs, feet, has a nose, has eyes. The body has all of these different organs. So if a body is made up of just eyes, well, then it's not really a body. It would just be a big eye. Now, if it was just a hand, well, then it's not a body. It's just a giant hand. And so, no, just as the body has different members, likewise, the church of God, whose head is Jesus Christ and the body is the church, well, it also has many members. And that is all in reference to the spiritual gifts, that there are many spiritual gifts that God gives and he divides to all of the believers and God divides them as he wishes so that each person may work that spiritual gift. Now, it also says that not all will do the same because in the end, in that final verse, it asks, are all prophets? Do all speak in tongues? No. Or do all work miracles? No. Some work miracles. Some do other things. Some lay on hands. Some cast out demons. Some uh, cast out witchcraft and sorcery. God divides as he wishes in different ways of working so that there is that harmony in the church and everyone is working and ministering to God. That is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. But I'm maybe not sure what your question is, brother, and what is confusing you or what you would like to know. Yes, sister. That's right, sister. My second question, and if we are the body of Christ and members, all of us in particular, which believers is verse 23 referring to? In verse 23? Yes, sister. It reads, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. Meaning, so if on our body... It says that certain parts of our body, we bestow greater honor because we dress them. We dress them better, maybe perhaps out of, uh, well, modesty. And our hands, for example, we don't cover them. And with our hands, we work a lot. We, we do a lot of things with our hands and they're naked. They're not covered or clothed, right? And so it says that that's what the Lord does by giving his spiritual gifts to whoever he wants. So all of us, the believers, we are not going to underestimate anyone and say, oh, well, that person, that man or that woman, they are not worthy. They're not capable. God won't use them. They don't even know how to talk. They don't even know how to walk or look. How could God use that person? He's just going to use people that have understanding, people who know how to better read and, and talk. And so we are then dignifying other people and then demeriting others as well. So the Lord says, no, we won't be doing that. But it is God. He is the one who he gives to whoever he chooses and those also who least expect it. So with Moses, for example, he gave Moses the ministry of working and being the prophet and freeing the people out of Egypt. And Moses, he was not someone who spoke very eloquently. He said, I'm not very eloquent. How can you send me to speak to the king if I'm not eloquent? So the Lord resolved his problem and he placed Aaron by his side, who was prepared. He was a bit more studious. He knew how to read and write. So he said, okay, let Aaron speak for you. But of course, the revelation I will give to you and you will speak to Aaron so he can speak to the king. But so you, as you can see, if it were up to us human beings, we would then go pick the best 
that apparently we think is the best. Oh, that person speaks the best. That person dresses the best. He smiles the best. Let's pick that person. But God is not like that. God picks whoever he wants. He observes the hearts. And so that is what the Lord does with the spiritual gifts. He is not observing to see, oh, who runs the furthest or who runs the least. It's whoever God wants to give the spiritual blessings to or give a ministry to or allow them to perform a certain task or work in the church. It is God who does all of these things now. Of course, logically, what the Lord is observing is the sincerity of the heart of each person. And that is what we cannot see in people. We can't see their hearts. We see physical appearances, but not the heart. God is the one that sees all of that. And he is the one who does all of the work. But here the apostle is inviting us all to seek the spiritual gifts. He says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And that is of love, which means not to sin, not to commit sin. And well, may God help us. May the Lord hear us. And we hope that God has seen us today in this very beautiful reflection. And now let us stand. Let us pray to our God. And let us pray to the Lord. In our prayer, we are going to place all illnesses before him. Any illness uh, spiritual or physical, because remember, there are many illnesses caused by sorcery and witchcraft. So let us ask the Lord for those physical illnesses, ailments of the body, and also spiritual, the witchcraft and sorcery. Let us ask also for those that are bound to wheelchairs, those who have Down syndrome, people who have so many rare diseases that today there are many diseases and God, well, in his mercy, he will be healing. He will be cleansing little by little. And we ask the Lord also for petitions, desires of the heart, any needs, place it all before the Lord's presence. And of course, first, we're going to give him thanks for this very marvelous afternoon that we have had with the Lord. I know that the Lord is very happy and pleased with us. And likewise, we're going to give our heart to him and we're going to pray. Oh, blessed Lord. Oh, blessed Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you thanks for this marvelous day. For this, these marvelous hours that we have spent here reflecting upon your word and learning of your ways, learning to get to know you, learning, Lord, how we ought to behave in our daily lives, in our ongoing daily lives, and how it is that we must continue to walk and be in the world, how our testimony should be our example wherever it is that we are in any given place of the world where we may be in our places of work or school in our business or our factory in our different jobs out in the street in any place lord how our life should be in our behavior we must be light we must be an example and testimony for we have had the privilege to know you. We are getting to know you, Lord. We are getting to know your ways and your word. And this is why, Lord, we are here 
before you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, and we praise you. Thank you, and we give you the honor and the glory, all praise, for you are worthy. You are worthy of all praise and worship. You are worthy of all honor and glory. You are worthy for us to express beautiful words to you, words that are unknown to our vocabulary, but in our heart and soul they sprout, and you know them. Lord, we praise you. We bless you, Lord, and we honor you. You are great, and you are worthy of all supreme praise. And yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, and all power for all eternity and evermore. Praises to your name. Your name is glorified. You are blessed for all eternity. Blessed is our eternal king, our king that created the heavens and earth, our God that spoke to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. You were with Moses. You were with all of those people. You were there with Daniel as well, with those apostles who began to preach your gospel. You manifested yourself with miracles and with signs, with great wonders that today you are also doing in our midst. And that we have heard and we have seen many people that have received your miracles, your healings, your wonders, Lord. We have seen many people that have received your blessings. They have received, Lord, your mighty hand, your mercy, and your love manifested in our lives, in the lives of many, of all of those who testify and who daily are testifying of your power, of your existence, Lord. Thank you, Holy Father, for living. Thank you for existing. Thank you, Lord, because you are a righteous God and you are revealing yourself to us and that you live and that you rule, you reign. You are a mighty God. You are the same yesterday, the same today, and that you manifest yourself just as you did yesterday, thousands of years ago. You do the same today with us. And we know, Lord, that you exist and help us to do your will. Help us, Lord, to turn away from all evil and to glorify your name and to do your will, Lord, and to be doers of your word. Thank you, my Father. Thank you in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. And now, my Lord, I pray, Lord, that you extend your healing hand upon all people, the elderly, children, those that are sick, people that are bound to wheelchairs, people who have diverse diseases, uh, illnesses in their body, in their internal organs, in their external organs, that you extend your hand and that you may heal each person, that you may cleanse. And also those that are sick because of witchcraft and sorcery and curses, may you remove these curses and break those ties, break these chains and destroy all of this evil work. All curses be removed. Break the chains, Lord and free, free those that are captive and cleanse each heart, cleanse each conscience, my Lord, and bless each person, Holy Father. And please also observe the petitions, the needs, the desires of the heart, the petitions and the needs of each person. May you observe them all, Lord, and may you help them so that they may love you wholeheartedly, so that they may love you, Lord, with all of their soul, with all of their being, so that they may have fellowship with you and that when they pray you hear their prayers and that you may answer them you may also supply all of their needs spiritual and material 
Thank you, my Father. Thank you, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. And also, Lord, send the power of your Holy Spirit. Send, Lord, the spiritual gifts and baptize with your Holy Spirit. Baptize, Lord baptize with the power of your Holy Spirit and send fire from on high. Send fire from on high, Lord, and baptize with power. Send your fire, Lord, and send the spiritual gifts and revive that early era of the church, Lord, and that you, my God, may give triumph. May you give victory, Lord. Blessed and praised is your name for all eternity. May you send fire and power from on high and baptize and fill with your power, Lord. Send your power, Lord, and fill. Fill us with your power. Fill us with that heavenly fire. Send your power from on high. Power from on high. Descend, Lord. Descend with that power from on high. Thank you, my Lord. Purify the hearts. Cleanse the hearts. And cleanse people's mindsets. Send fire, my Lord. And burn with that heavenly fire. Send power from on high. Send your power. Thanks we give to you, Lord. All praises are for you. All honor and glory is for you. Now and evermore. Thanks, my Lord. Give me oil in my lamp, oh my dear Lord. Give me oil in my lamp, oh my dear Lord. Let me serve you, oh Jesus, help me obey your word. Give me oil in my lamp, oh my dear Lord. My life, my all, you are to me, Lord. How boundless is your love for me. My heart and soul, you have saved my life so long wasted, and now I adore you with my heart and soul, with my heart and soul, with my heart and soul. Give me oil in my lamp, oh my dear Lord. Give me oil in my lamp, oh my dear Lord. Let me serve you, oh Jesus, help me obey your word. Give me oil in my lamp, oh my dear Lord. My life, my all, you are to me, Lord. How boundless is your love for me. You have saved my life so long wasted. And now I adore you with my heart and soul. You have saved my life so long wasted. And now I adore you with my heart and soul, with my heart and soul, with my heart and soul. Glory to the Lord. Praises be to the Lord. Glory and honor be to our God. And blessed is the name of the Lord. Let us also sing another chorus. The joy of the Lord is the strength of my life. The joy of the Lord is the strength of my life. I believe it's chorus number 12. Let us sing to the Lord. Now to bid our farewell this afternoon.
the strength of my life. The joy of the Lord is the strength of my life. The joy of the Lord is the strength of my life. And He gives me overwhelming and pure joy. If you are filled with rapture, let your songs abound. If you are filled with rapture, dance and praise the Lord. If you are filled with rapture, let your voice be known. God will give you overwhelming and pure joy. Glory to the Lord. Thanks be to our God. Thanks be to the Almighty. May my God bless you all. May the Lord be with you always. May he prepare you. May he clothe you with power. And may you be a church of great pride, the pride and joy of the Lord. May God bless you greatly. May he bless you all. And, well, until next time. Thank you very much. I love you with all my heart. May God give you the spiritual gifts. May he clothe you with his power. Many thanks, brothers and sisters. Many thanks. And until next time, thank you. God bless you.